This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is John Bodie, President and CEO of the Corn Refiners Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with CRA's John Bodie next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 445 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Like many in the agriculture industry, the nation's corn milling industry is seeing tremendous demand for their products, but experiencing serious conflicts with the nation's supply chain. John Bodie, president and CEO of the Corn Refiners Association, says their situation is most challenging. We're on a roller coaster, Jeff. There's no doubt about it, and uh, along with everybody else, uh, there are uh, good opportunities in, in for many of the products that corn refiners produce today. Uh, we are operating at full capacity, and so that's an exciting thing, but we also recognize there are challenges. Uh, there are challenges uh, that our, our customers are experiencing, and we're in it with them. Uh, so, uh, and, and there are clearly challenges ahead. John, at the time of our conversation, there are a lot of dry acres uh, that need a drink uh, in the U.S. There is not as much corn planted as many thought there might be, obviously seeing the effects of spring weather. Uh, and also questions of inputs that farmers needed. Uh, from a corn refiners and industry perspective, are you concerned about available supply? We feel confident the supply will be there. The prices are going to be up. We never, ever complain about uh, high corn prices because uh, our, our, our producers are our partners, and we, we feel all too often... They're experiencing prices that are far too low. Uh, it, it goes to that point, Jeff, that we're riding a roller coaster, and uh, this is quite a long ways from smoothing out. Uh, and uh, the corn refiners, uh, they they are corn wet mills are are buying about 15 percent of America's corn crop and making uh, highly value-added products uh, from it. So uh, we will have supply, but they're certainly concerned that prices will be up in, in that situation. John, we had the COVID pandemic that wrecked havoc on the U.S. supply chain, especially in the food sector, and it continues to ripple out. And now that we are in this inflationary cycle and the Russia-Ukraine situation, uh, it seems to be a perfect storm with so many different elements. What are your thoughts on the supply chain issue that we're facing now, and, and how is it affecting the corn refiners? We are experiencing major problems in supply chain, 
and we should be precise about what the causes are. We, we don't have shortage of our supply. We've got enough corn. We can uh, move forward and, and agricultural crops broadly, but we're having trouble moving those and moving the ingredients that are made from those commodities to uh, food manufacturers. And so in large part, our supply chain problems are due to, number one, labor shortages, and number two, dysfunction in our freight infrastructure. And the freight infrastructure supply chain is in significant part because of labor shortages, but it is far worse, especially with rail. A few weeks ago, Constance Coleman from the American Feed Industry Association was a guest on this same program, John, and she talked about that uh, suppliers uh, to feedlots and to areas where feed is needed might normally be a three- or four-day delay, now a three- or four-week delay, and that their feed producers are caught in situations trying to determine who's actually going to get feed and who's not. Can you share a similar story from the corn refiners and and either raw product or ingredient shipping? Unfortunately, Jeff, I sure can. And I I heard Constance's, your interview of Constance, and I thought that was great. She made super points. I always enjoy listening to Open Mic. Uh, I I think, uh, as I see it, we've had a couple of occasions this year where corn wet mills have been forced to temporarily close because of rail service failures. Let me tell you what a big deal that is. A corn wet mill, there are only 28 of them in the country that are processing about 15% of America's corn crop. They operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 361 days a year. And as I indicated earlier, for many, many products, they're operating at full capacity. And so when rail service fails to show up and they are producing huge volumes, some of our products ship by unit train. There is no place to put it and so forced to close. And that means that the thousands of products, uh, certainly hundreds, uh, sometimes uh, thousand, even multi-thousand different consumer products, that are using ingredients from that day's production of a corn wet mill are disrupted. And so it is a shutdown of a corn wet mill that results in shutdown of operations of many, many other processing facilities, food processing, but other consumer products as well through the supply chain. And when we're operating at maximum capacity, there is no opportunity to catch up. So that is the kind of problem we're experiencing. And to say that it is because of a storm or it is because of pandemic uh, uh, labor shortage is simply wrong. These are, are issues that uh, everybody else is dealing with, but we're experiencing catastrophic failures in rail service because the 
Class 1 rails have stretched their system so thin over the last five years with a move to precision scheduled rail that they are very, very vulnerable to uh, disruptions, and that's a big part of our supply chain problems. So, John, what is the Surface Transportation Board doing, and what would you like to see them do? First of all, I think the, the Surface Transportation Board members are smart, they are good, and they are on it. They recognize that we have uh, a major problem uh, really, it looks like an unprecedented problem in failure of rail service. And they uh, uh, very commendably recently held a hearing to address the issue. I want to give a shout-out of thanks to Secretary Vilsack for sending them a letter about how bad the rail service failures are, are hurting uh, the uh, food supply chains. And uh, they have uh, required the, the Class 1 rails to pre- present to them re- regular reports on how they are improving uh, their service plans and their, their uh, plans to do so. Unfortunately, the first set of plans they reviewed were grossly inadequate. And uh, kudos to the chairman that he had the gumption to say so and tell them to go to work on it more. Uh, What we feel needs to be done is the Surface Transportation Board needs to uh, step forward and take unprecedented action, and I won't be specific about what that is, um, to uh, demand uh, transparency, hold the rails accountable, and require them to meet their, uh, their duty uh, as a service provider. And uh, they have broad uh, discretion in how to do that. It is uh, the, the law charges the STB to determine what is reasonable. And so that is uh, uh, clearly a broad grant of discretion to the STB. And I do want to say, I, I'm not here to just beat up on the rails. Uh, they, they frankly deserve quite a scolding the way uh, we're, the situation we're in that was preventable. But we want them to be strong. We want them to be profitable. A healthy rail system is good for America. John, is the situation getting any better? Or is it getting worse? And does it have a propensity to move in either direction based on your observation? Uh, it is significantly worse than it was the end of last year, Jeff. So if people think that uh, the pandemic passing uh, passing by us or the worst of it being behind us is going to cause this to just suddenly get fixed, it's that's not the case. Uh, so we, we have, we're experiencing serious problems. You know, CRA is, is vice chair of the Food and Beverage Issue Alliance, so we work with uh, uh, food associations across the board. I, I see a handful, at least a handful, of food manufacturing facilities 
forced into temporary uh, uh, shutdown on a daily basis uh, because of these rail service issues. Do you see this situation affecting the food on the grocery store shelves? I think it's, it is certainly having that effect right now in terms of prices. Consumers are paying more because of the um, uh, freight infrastructure uh, disruptions, and rail is, uh, from our perspective, clearly the worst of it. Uh, so it's, it's having impact on consumer prices. And then secondly, uh, we've all noticed uh, empty shelves or products being out of stock. Uh, that, is, uh, that is an extreme form of the impact. But I'd also like to point out, Jeff, that the food industry, folks in the food industry are breaking their back to prevent those, uh, those shelves from being empty or a product from being out of stock. And when they do, they are incurring higher costs in production. And that's why that's part of the food price inflation story. So nearly every segment of agriculture that I speak with, labor is at the top of the list. And even you suggest now the rail industry is being affected by labor. Can you appeal to Congress and see any hope of them addressing agriculture's labor issue without having to address the overall immigration issue at the same time? I, I just don't see Congress taking on a piece of this. It's going to have to be a big-picture approach for Congress to act. That's, that's the way they operate. Uh, I, I feel that I appreciate the fact that the Biden administration has finally come around to uh, taking a more enlightened approach with H-2A visas. We need stronger action, bolder action on the supply front, uh, labor uh, supply front. John, let's move up to the, to the globe and trade. And let's start with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, is it just about the supply? Is it about the port con- uh, congestion that we're seeing? How far are the implications of this conflict reaching to the globe, but more importantly here, even in the U.S.? You know, Jeff, I, I think the way you frame that question is, is so appropriate. Secretary Vilsack sometimes makes reference to the fact that our ag trade issues have to be recognized as as being influenced by or shaped by uh, by broader policies and in world events. And uh, and the truth is, trade, ag trade, it's it's part of foreign policy and and um, and how America engages it. Is, is shaped by our, our national broader strategic interest. And uh, I, I, I started my schooling at the Naval Academy. Admiral Nimitz was very strong on, on making the point that our nation's strategic interest is shaped by our, our economic strength. Uh, I think what we're seeing in Ukraine is, of course, of, of tremendous importance, as you've covered previously on Open Mic, uh, for uh, uh, parts of the world that have traditionally rely upon Ukrainian and, and Russian production and that Black Sea uh, transport. 
What I see is, first of all, a, a reduction in the expected supply of production from that part of the world, but even more significant, a disruption in the transportation of it. What worries me is we, we are going to see markets respond as if uh, grain, for example, or sunflower uh, don't exist because they can't get to the market, and at some point they're all going to come streaming onto the market. And so that's going to be more of a up and down of the roller coaster. Uh, so I, I think this is a wild ride, uh, it, uh, triggered by, of course, irresponsible action by Russia. John, we have seen some countries discuss a pushback to technology, that of the technology that farmers use in corn hybrids and their production systems. Is this something that spills over into your industry and work with your customers, Mexico being one? You bet, and the pushback in Mexico toward the use of, of agriculture technology is a special concern. I really think that uh, reality is starting to bite. Uh, so we have seen a pause on, on farm to fork in Europe. Uh, we see Mexico taking, uh, decisive actions that, that, uh, make a lot of sense, uh, in terms of responding to the inflation pressures they are experiencing, uh, and that are hurting the many low income Mexicans, uh, dealing with food price inflation. And turning one's back on agriculture technology is uh, is turning your back on on the solutions to those problems. And there's growing recognition. Uh, in some cases, there's a political box that folks need to figure out how they get out of. Uh, and I, I think, uh, particularly as we look to Europe. Um, uh, I think gene editing uh, will will uh, be, be uh, a much greater uh, way, a good way for uh, Europe to move toward a, a stronger embrace of agriculture technology. And Jeff, I'm saying agriculture technology because it's it's not just uh, the uh, 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 improved traits in in, uh, in in seeds, but also recognizing the importance of science-based decision making with respect to pesticides and uh, and the many other solutions that agriculture technology holds for us. John, I was able to spend some time with the American Seed Trade Association, and uh, Anne Devine was a, a guest on the program even last week. One of their asks as we look ahead to a new farm bill was for research. And I note from our conversation in advance of our interview uh, that, that you were anxious for and to discuss uh, the ag bioeconomy issues. What is this ag bioeconomy? How does it affect you how does it affect the producers of our nation? I, I am with Andy fully on the importance of agriculture research, and it it uh, needs to be recognized as a as a national priority. Going back to the point you made earlier of tying these issues to 
national strategic uh, competition with with China and and others. Um, we feel that the um, bioeconomy holds tremendous uh, potential for growth. First of all, it is a substantial uh, part of our economy today. And by the bioeconomy, I mean uh, the uh, n- numerous, countless products that are made from uh, our agricultural production uh, beyond food. Uh, and so, of course, fuels comes to mind. But uh, we, you know, corn refiners sell more starch for uh, use in paper products and uh, and uh, construction adhesives, for example, than in food. Uh, and that there are, are incredible new products that have been developed or already in the market, like uh, bioplastics that are price competitive, equally functional with petrochemical-based plastics, but also are compostable. So they have environmental advantages uh, that consumers have indicated they're ready to, uh, they're eager to have. And, Jeff, we also need to build recognition of the fact that our agriculture is the foundation for so much of our nation's economic strength. Uh, not enough people recognize that more American manufacturing jobs are attached to agriculture than in any other manufacturing segment. So uh, the old notion that promoting agriculture trade is at the expense of, of American manufacturing is simply out of date and doesn't recognize the reality of um, uh, today's uh, American economy. John, what's the sustainability story from the corn refiners, A, in the facilitation of your plants, but B, in the products that you alluded to that can make our society more sustainable, more climate-friendly? Great point, Jeff. Uh, of course, we, um, uh, we're excited. Uh, the corn refining industry has done a new life cycle analysis, and uh, soon a article will be published about that, and uh, we're, we're real excited about the, the progress that has been made, and uh, we think we've got a great story to tell. John Bodie, we want to thank you for taking time to be with us on this edition of Open Mic. It's been a long time. We're glad to have you back. John, you've been here before. You know it's Open Mic, and you know today you've got the last word. Thanks, Jeff. You know, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I really appreciate Open Mic. It's a great service to our community. We take care. Uh, Stay safe. Feed the world. Our thanks to John Bodie, President and CEO of the Corn Refiners Association, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.